I am so thankful for you today. I'm so thankful that you're here, that you're online, that you've joined us for these next few minutes. Now, I'm just going to make sure that people aren't talking to us online. Let's just see what they're saying. I could hear myself. Aaron says perfect now. Oh, he called me perfect. That's awesome. Thanks, Aaron. I think he means that it's working perfect now, but hey. I will take all the encouragement that I can get because I am a words of affirmation kind of guy. When you say nice things to me, I thrive. If you say not nice things to me or imply not nice things about me, I sink. All right? So if you want me to feel good, say nice things to me. All right? It's just the way it is. My second love language is gifts. So give me stuff. All right? If you don't want me to feel loved, or take away stuff. It's pretty simple. Or break my stuff. All right? It's just the way it is. Now, I have kids. They don't love me. They break my stuff all the time. It's just the way it is. At least that's how I interpret it. It's not true, but it's how I interpret it. So we're not here to talk about love languages, though. I'm just uh, We're here to talk about fear. And no, no, we don't want fear. That's right, Leland. We are here to talk about fear. Now, should we be afraid? No. All right. So what should we do instead of being afraid? We should have what? Faith. Awesome. Now, faith is not necessarily the, ob- the, the opposite of fear. That's what we talked about last night. Faith, fear is putting your faith in the wrong thing. Faith or fear is putting faith in the uncertain. Faith or fear, I can't, I can't talk. Fear is putting faith in the world. Fear is putting faith in the government. Fear is putting faith in the wrong thing. And now I don't want you to be full of fear today. Now, now I learned this week that. Uh, you know, we've been so fortunate this, this last nine months, eight, ten months, whatever it is now, that uh, we've been celebrating that we've had no cases in our community of COVID-19. Praise God. It's been a blessing. So this last week and a bit, what happened? We hear our neighbors down the road. There's a couple cases there, another one a little bit further there, one in Greenstone, and it's, it's all around. And I've noticed that there is a level of fear that is rising in people in our communities on the North Shore. And I'm here to tell you today, we need to be aware, we need to be cautious, we need to be smart, but do we need to be afraid? No. And why do we not need to be afraid? We don't have to be afraid, oh, I'm not going to get it, God's with me. No, we don't need to be afraid because no matter what happens, God is with me. No matter what happens, God is for me. No matter what happens, God is with me me. So we don't have to be afraid. Now, we should do things smart and wise. And so this week, the health unit updated some of the guidelines for places of worship. And uh, it meant that as much as we love having Bill on the stage, he's not supposed to be on the stage with us anymore because he's not part of our bubble or family and this and that and so on. So I really appreciate Bill having to be in a good sport, had a good conversation with him this morning. And He just said, I'll willingly do what we have to do to keep people safe. And so thank you, Bill, for your attitude today. That's helpful. And so we praise God for having the right attitude. But we don't do things out of fear. We do them out of love. And so we do the things that we do, even though they frustrate us, they drive us crazy. We do them out of love, not fear, because perfect love casts out what? It casts out fear. So we've sung songs before. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And so we know that the word says perfect love casts out fear. 
And so when you come across someone or you feel the fear rising and the anxiety rising in yourself this week, take a deep breath. Let the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, fill you up. And when you meet somebody that is struggling, that's living in fear, show them an exuberant amount of kindness. Just show them an exuberant amount of love and let them know that it's going to be okay. And if they're still not okay, point them to Jesus and proclaim that even when things are not good here, my God is good and I can always rely on that. Are you ready to go home now? Is that good? Did I do what I needed to do yet? All right. That's the first line. I got, I got, I, okay, so lately I've been three pages, today is six. I won't be that long today. So in fact, I'm actually going to start at the end and go backwards because I want you to get the good stuff. Because in about 10 minutes, well, they're watching something on the iPad. Maybe we got 15. We're good. Well, take as long as it takes, but as long as you're with me, all right? How does that sound? Here's the last page. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Outcome is God's responsibility. Outcome, obedience is yours. Outcome is whose responsibility? God's responsibility. Obedience is? Well, you said ours. I said yours. You said ours. I like it. It's ours. Outcome is God's? Obedience is? Ours. Perfect. All right. I think you got the point. Outcome is whose? God's. And what is ours? Obedience. All right. Now you can go home. Now we're good. The next few weeks, we're going to be talking about fear not. We, we're going to talk about how angels came and what's the, one of the first things that angels say when they appear to somebody? They say, fear not. I got a lot of participation. I'm just going to throw the mic and we're all in this together. If you're watching online, just if I, if I sort of give you a pause, just write it in all capital letters in the comment section. Fear not. Fear not. Today, we're going to talk about Mary. How many have ever heard of Mary before? Good. Good. Anyone not hear of Mary? Just want to make sure. Because you know what? There, there's very good chance if someone walks through the door and have never heard about Jesus before, they would have no idea maybe who Mary is. Uh, and, and, and if you don't think that's possible in our town, it is. Let me give you a story. A year and a half ago, we had a young lady come to our youth group on Wednesday night. Friend brought her along. And she said to me, she said, I had no idea that this place existed. I had no idea that this, this building was even over here because we're at the dead end road. She had, lives on the other side of town and never in her life had to come down this street. Now, she'd heard a little bit from school about Jesus, a little bit about God here and there, but had no idea that we existed. She does now, which means we're doing something right if a friend brought her. She knows. She's been exposed to hope. She's been exposed to, heap, to peace. But I don't want to presume today that someone knows all about Mary because there is very well people in our own community that have no idea who Jesus even really is. They may have heard the name. Most people, I think, if they, if they, they probably know the name maybe as a curse word. Uh, they might just know about it, but they don't actually know anything real. They don't actually know Jesus as well. And so I don't want to presume that people know who I'm talking about today. And so we're going to head over to Luke chapter 1. And there's a story where an angel appears to Mary. And the first thing he says to her is, fear not. All right, I better stick to my notes here because I just, 
I just like to talk. All right, let's get there. Go to Luke chapter 1, and we'll get there in a minute. What do we do when life doesn't go the way that we want it to? What do we do when life doesn't go the way we want it to? That's usually those moments is when fear starts to set in, right? That's when we start to put our fears and our hope and our faith into what ifs. You know, what if uh, I don't get the job that I need? Not just the job that I want, but the job that I need. What if I, what if I don't get into the right college or university? Then how will I ever be successful? What if, what if I don't get the right doctor or the right treatment that I need for my illness? What if I don't do this? What if I don't do that? Or really is something as simple, what if I marry someone ugly? And what if when we have kids, the kids look like them and I'm reminded that they're ugly and they're a jerk and then I look at my kids and that's what I think of. You know, those are the what ifs. So glad my kids look like my wife. It's, it's a good thing. They're, they got the best part of me and everything of her, which just makes them perfect, right? Silence. Crickets. Wink. I know. I got you. I know. They're not angels because people aren't angels. Angels are angels. And so we live in this life of what if? What if life doesn't go the way I want it? And we're forced to deal with real stuff because sometimes there's a sense of fear. Fear is putting faith in the wrong things. All right. Um, There are moments in my own life, and and it's ridiculous the way fear plays with our minds. So if I text my wife and say she's on the road or she's gone to Thunder Bay for an appointment or shopping or something, and I don't fear from, hear from her, or actually this is the moment when she's at work and she gets called to go do a transfer to bring a patient in the back of the ambulance to Thunder Bay. And, like, obviously she's busy because she's with a patient that's in need of some intense care, right? And so I text her on my phone. I don't hear anything. Where does my mind go, especially it's at nighttime? Where does my mind go? Instantly, my mind goes, the ambulance crashed. She's burning on the, side of the, on the side of the road. The worst has happened, right? I'm going to be left here with these three kids who love their mother more than me and have no idea how to cook a decent meal, like what's going to go on here. And the worst of the worst comes into my mind. And then you take a breath and you go, smarten up, Gary. Come on now. Even if all that has happened, you're going to be okay. And then I start planning the funeral. It's going to be wonderful. There's going to be doves and roses. And I'm just kidding. She's throwing up a little bit in her mouth as I say that. But at the end of it, I go, it's going to be okay. And then she sends me a nice little message and said, made it, safe, here. I'm in Thunder Bay at 4 o'clock in the morning. Got to take a creepy cab ride home. So it's good. It's this way it is. But our minds tend to go to the worst places. And it's so easy for us to get focused on that one little moment of fear when we end up some dark rabbit trail and we just can get like lost in the wilderness for a moment and just drowning in fear. And then if you have anxiety, which I don't think I do, I don't think I do, I'm worried, I wonder if I do now. It's even worse, right? Because there's some, they get into a panic attack and and it's actually not healthy, it's not good. And so what do we do when we get in those situations? How do we deal with those what-if moments? Well, last week we talked about 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of what? But of power, love, and sound mind, self-discipline, self-control, depending on the translation you read. For God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. If you want to go back and hear what all of those breakdowns are, go back and listen to last week's message. I want you to know something. When Jesus was born, 
our world was a very dark, scary place. All right, there wasn't a lot of hope going around at that moment in history, uh, especially among the Jewish people, the, the people that were God's chosen people, the people that Jesus was born into. There was not a lot of hope. It was a scary time. It was a dark world. God had not spoken to the people for over 400 years. Could you imagine? Some of us complain, God, where are you? Where are you? I only heard from you last week Sunday at church. 400 years and the people of God had never heard his voice. They knew the promises of God. They knew that one day God would send them a Messiah. They knew that one day God would defeat their enemies and that one day God would come and make things right again and that there would be peace, that there would be hope, that there would be love, that there would be an ultimate full connection with the Father again. But in this moment in history that Jesus shows up, the world is a dark and scary place. It's awful. It's terrible. Think of the worst situation you've been in and imagine living through that every day of your life. That's kind of what it was like living when Jesus was born. And in the midst of that darkness, and in the midst of that darkness, an angel appears to Mary and says, you're going to have a son who's going to change the world, who is the Messiah, who is going to be a light in the darkness, who's going to be a light in the darkness. Peace today is the second Sunday of Advent, and Advent is simply the arrival of a notable person or thing. I think you would agree with me that our world needs peace. Not a false peace, not a false sense of hope, not a false sense of certainty, but we need the peace of God to come to this world. And so we pray, Jesus, come quickly. Jesus, come again like you said that you would, because he came once and he's going to come again. I believe it. And when he comes again, when everything has been settled, there will be perfect peace, there will be perfect harmony, and there will be perfect love again. And those of us who have made the decision to follow him, to surrender to him, to swear our allegiance to him, will experience all that God has ever intended for us to have from the very beginning. Ephesians 1 tells us that before the creation of the world, God knew you. God desired you. God wants you to be with him forever. Amen? Amen. So, if God wants you and he wants to be with you forever, then do, it, do we have anything to fear, even death? Absolutely not. There is nothing to fear. All right, Luke chapter 1. How many are there? Anyone there yet? Starting in verse 26. Here's what it says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant. Yes, take the drink. Take the drink and go. Thank you. Thank you. Ugh. A descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I like, I think the King James says, uh, you are highly favored. I like, I like the way it says that Mary was highly favored. Um, so last week I said angels, you know, we, we have these pictures of angels. You know, sometimes we say when, when someone dies, they go up to heaven and become an angel. That's not true. God created us separate. He created us different. He created angels for a specific person, purpose. I suggested that sometimes angels, we, we picture them as cute little naked babies with like arrows sitting on a cloud. That's not an angel. 
Uh, an angel is actually like a pretty fierce, warlike creature. It's part of God's army. Uh, I've never seen one personally. Now, God reveals himself in different ways, and he reveals angels in different ways. But you can look through all kinds of pop culture and see all kinds of movies and TV shows. Uh, you know, like that old show in the 90s was it touched by an angel. Um, whatever. You can, you can like it if you want to. It's just as good as a Hallmark. It's worse than the Hallmark movies. But we have this image, right, that these, these are just these pro- angels. They're actually some pretty fierce, warlike creatures. They're a little intense. And not to mention that Mary is, you know, in this situation where she's, she's ready to get married. You know, she's on Pinterest looking up how to do a wedding Jerusalem style and hoping for to win, you know, the big grand honeymoon prize to spend it in Jerusalem on the sea and the seas of Galilee or something like that. Who knows? She's excited. She's a young girl waiting to get married. And all of a sudden, this big scary creature shows up and says, Mary. This is Gabriel. That's what he sounds like. I heard him. Mary. And what does he say? Fear not. Do not be afraid. Mary, do not be afraid. You know, you just imagine what's going through her mind. The angel comes and interrupts the plans that she has made. She's set on Mary and Joseph. They're going to start a family together. They're going to call them son of Joseph. And they're going to have, you know, X number of kids. She's got the names picked out, all of these things. Her life is laid out for her. And an angel shows up and says, fear not. By the way, God's got a different plan for your life. Oh. Oh, okay. So Mary, you're going this way. God's actually going to turn things completely around for you, and you're going to be going, like, this way. Oh, and by the way, keep Joseph with you, okay? Keep him, keep him by your side. We're going to get to him next week. But just imagine what's going through her mind in this moment. The angel interrupts her plan, and it's incredibly inconvenient. It's incredibly inconvenient. This is not the life she had dreamed about. This is not the life that she had planned. This is not the life her parents had planned for her. I can only imagine, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I can only imagine what her parents thought of her. Now, now God chose Mary for a specific reason. It says the angel tells her that she is highly favored because she was a wonderful young teenager who served and was obedient to God. He saw someone that was willing, that had the character to do what God wanted them to do. It's an amazing moment of history where God would choose this young woman to be the carrier of his son. It's an incredible, incredible moment, an incredible honor. And we can tell by the character of who she is by her response to the angel, which we'll get to in just a little bit. What can we learn from this? A very important principle, when life gets flipped upside down, when God tells us to do something different, what can we learn from Mary's situation? Is instead of looking at our situations as inconveniences, we can actually look at them as invitations from God. When God flips our world upside down and tells us to do something, we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to worry about the inconveniences of it. We can look at it as an invitation, an invitation into something great, into something amazing, something pleasing to God. 
Look at throughout Scripture the different people that God used and changed their plans. Moses, for example. God speaks to him through a burning bush. He was quite content to be a runaway, stay in the desert as a shepherd with his new wife from a different culture. He was quite content to live out his days there. And God said, no, I got something different for you. It's going to be a little bit inconvenient for you, but it's going to be the greatest invitation of a generation, of generation, of generation, of generation, of generation, because you are the person I am calling to lead my people out of slavery into freedom. And for generations, your name will never be forgotten throughout the history of the world. This is what I'm inviting you to, Moses. We see Jonah, who is quite content to just be a grumpy old prophet where he is. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, because that's what I'm calling you to do. Because that's how God sounds when you're angry at him and annoyed by him. And so what does he do? He runs the other way. He gets on a ship, and there's a huge storm, and he says, okay, guys, this is my fault. Throw me overboard. Let me die. And God says, you're not getting off that easy. Greatest fishing story of all time, the fish catches the man. And says, Jonah, I'm interrupting your suicide plan. I'm interrupting your life because I have something better that I need you to do. Three days and three nights. Now, we always picture the Pinocchio scene, right? Pinocchio, he's inside a whale, lights a little fire. That's how we picture Jonah. We call it Jonah in the whale. That's not the case. Have you ever seen the inside of a fish before? Even a big fish. There's not a lot of room inside of a big fish. You just imagine being crumped up like a baby in his mother's womb. Jonah, in the digestive system of a fish. Not pleasant, not pleasant, not pleasant. No thank you. And God says, your life's a little inconvenient right now, isn't it, Jonah? And Jonah begins to pray this amazing prayer. And the big fish comes up on the sea and does this amazing display of regurgitation that a fish has ever displayed in the world of history. Jonah comes flying on the beach. Just imagine the smell on that guy. It's a little inconvenient for him. And he trudges along to Nineveh. God interrupts his plans And sometimes it seems like an inconvenience to us, but it's an invitation to be a part of something great. Because whenever God's got a plan, you know, because God is good, because God is great, that whatever he calls you into is going to be great. It's going to be far beyond you ever imagined, far beyond you ever asked. I think of the sacrifices in my own life, the inconveniences in my own life, uh, the, the, the way that I thought life was going to go and God did something different, when I think about them, they're pretty minor to some of these situations. So I just kind of go, okay, God, I'm waiting for that big interruption. But the truth is, is, when we walk in consistent and regular obedience, our lives have already been interrupted long ago. The moment we decided to follow Jesus, now some, sometimes God is going to, he might just totally do something radical. And I'll be honest with you, I don't... Uh, I sort of wonder what happens next, you know, and as, as I, think of, I think of ministry overseas for our, for our global workers, for Jade and Julius. I think of the role that she played on this world. And I, I have it in my mind. I go, okay, God, you, you've chosen to bring her home. What, that means you have somebody to step into her shoes. Who's that going to be? And God, I pray that they would be willing. Now, I know it's not me. I'm just going to put that out there. It's not us. 
But it's on my heart. I go, God, what are you going to do next? Because they're on the verge of something great. You're on the verge of doing some incredible, amazing things. I mean, the capacity that they have as leaders, both Julius and Jade, is just incredible. The things that they do for the kingdom. They run, they, they, if, if, if running an orphanage and children's home and feeding programs in the community wasn't enough, they decided in the middle of that to start another village down the road and get all that going. They decided to start a medical clinic and a, and a, and a vaccination program and feeding programs and, and learning programs for the community. And on top of all that, they decided, hey, I think it's time we plan a church. And on the top of that, we're going to be a parents to our three boys. I don't know how they do it, aside from having the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what they do. But I know this. I don't know what happens next, but I know that God's got something ready. And I pray that whoever it is, however it is, that they would be ready and willing to allow God to interrupt their lives to help them be a part of something great. And so, I say that to you, it could be you. Maybe not that, but it could be something else. God could be tugging at your heart right now and saying, look, I got something great that I want you to be a part of, that I need you to be a part of. It's what you were destined to do. It's what you were made to do. Don't let this inconvenience, what seems like an inconvenience, let it be an invitation into greatness. Let God interrupt your plans into something better. All right, let's move along. Make sure I'm not skipping the verse here. I don't know if you know this, but God's, God's purposes are often different than our plans. God's purposes are often different than our own plans. Number one, because interruptions are inconvenient. But two, because God's purposes are different than our plans. Why are we afraid of God's plans? Well, one, it inconveniences us. And two, God's plans are different than our purposes. We know that His ways are higher than our ways. And if his ways are higher, and he's the king of the world, he's the creator of the world, whose plan do you think I should follow? Mine or his? If I followed my plan, I wouldn't be your pastor. And some of you would go, Gary, I wish you'd follow your plan. Get out. And most of you would go, don't stay, right? I think. Yes? Good. Word of affirmation. Give me a thumbs up. I need something here. Come on. It's all good. I'm not feeling insecure. I'm just being silly. The fact is, why do we fear God's plans for our lives? One, because it's a great inconvenience. And two, it doesn't fall in line with our plan. Because God's plans trump our plans. Luke 1, 31 to 33. Here's the good news, Mary. By the way, I'm an angel. Don't be afraid. Uh, here's where you're at. This is why God has chosen you. And uh, here's what you're going to do now. All right? I know you have plans to be married, but here's what's going to happen. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. How long? Forever. Wow. His kingdom will never end. How long will his kingdom go? Forever. His kingdom will... So Mary, you have the choice now. Do you want to say no and stick to your plan? Or do you want to give birth to the greatest king in the world in all the universe forever? I don't know about you, but if I was Mary, I'd be terrified. But I'd probably say yes. Just saying. What an amazing invitation. What an amazing invitation. The son that you are going to have, Mary, is going to be the king of the world forever. 
He is going to be the king forever. Are you sure you want to say no to that? Your son. God has chosen you. Now, that role is already taken in case you're wondering if you can sign up for that job. That's already happened. But what is the crazy thing that God is asking of you? What crazy thing are you afraid of God saying? You know why I think people don't pray? They're afraid of what God's going to say. You know why people don't read their Bible as often as they maybe they should? They're afraid of what God's going to say. And I don't mean in a condemning kind of way. There are people that are afraid. Oh, my goodness, what's God going to say about me? I mean, I've done some pretty crazy things back there. I really hope God doesn't see them. What's God going to say about me? That's not what I'm talking about. Because what does God say about those things? He says, look, if you give your life to Jesus, it's taken care of. I don't worry about those things. I don't worry about the past. I've taken care of it. I've taken care of the darkness in your life. Just surrender your life to Jesus. And what does God see when he sees you? He sees his beautiful child that he thought of before the creation of the world that destined for greatness. That's what he sees. So why don't we pray a little bit more? Why don't we listen to what God has to say? I think sometimes we're scared of what he's going to ask us to do. I'm scared to go to church because the pastor is going to tell me to give his money. I'm scared to, to go to I don't want to go to church. I'm scared to do what happens because what if God tells me I have to move to Africa? What if God tells me I have to move to Thunder Bay? Ooh. What if God tells me I have to move into the bush <laughs> if you live in Thunder Bay? Or what if God, worse, worse, what if God tells me I need to live in downtown Toronto? You know, when we, we always knew from the moment we started Bible college, before we started Bible college, we knew that we would pastor in northern Ontario. We just, we just knew that God called us northern Ontario. We just knew that that was just going to be the way it was. And part of it was because I'm from the north, so I knew that, you know, the cold, the snow doesn't bother me anyway and all these kinds of things. Thank you. Picked up on that. I knew that, oh, whatever, all the practical side of things. My wife is amazing. She'd go anywhere. She'd do anything. She's just awesome like that. Marry someone that's cool. But we just knew that it's for God called us. And the first week that I was here, I'll never forget, boxes all around unpacking and all this stuff. And God finally said, well, you're here. You're in northern Ontario where I told you to be. Um, he gave me the sense that, Gary, I could call you to pastor anyway, anywhere, and, and it would be satisfying. And so as much as I do not want to go to downtown Toronto, I am completely 100% okay if one day, 100 years from now, God calls me to go and pastor in Toronto, Ontario. It would be weird. I would, I'm, not a, I'm not even cool. Like, you have to be cool to live down, down in the south. I, I'm like, I'm not even cool enough for Terrace Bay. It's awesome. But I would have the complete confidence to go, if God wants to interrupt my life so much, I'd be willing to do it. That, you know what, it's really not that big of, it's not about the where, it's about who you're serving. It's about being obedient. It's not really about the where or even the what, it's about the who. God, I'm here to serve you, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything that you've called me to do. I'll be who you've called me to be, and I'll be wherever you want me to be. Because as your child, I'm surrendered to you, you're the king, I am not. God says you'll conceive and give birth to a son, he'll be the king of the world, and he will reign forever. God's purposes are higher than our purposes. So his plans are higher than our plans, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's pretty good when I end up with some pretty dark, fearful thoughts sometimes. I'm really thankful that God's thoughts and plans are better than mine and higher than mine. 
Because the moments that I get discouraged, the moments I, I get afraid, the moments that I tend to walk into darkness or I'm walking through what David calls the valley of the shadow of death, it's really good to know that the plans of God are greater than those moments. It's really good to know that the purposes of God are greater than those moments. It's really good to know that when my thoughts are going south and I'm thinking the worst what if possible, it's really comforting and peaceful to know that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. That his ways are higher than my ways. God has a plan to bless, a plan to prosper, not a plan to harm you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. And he will every now and then move in what you might call an interruption. But from his perspective, it's an invitation into something that's higher and different because his purposes and plans are always different than your plans. And I love this question. So God reveals a plan. When God says something and does something or something happens, what's the first thing that we say? Why? Why? And so Mary does the same thing. What does she say in verse 34? But how can this happen? How am I supposed to give birth? I'm a virgin. I've never been with Joseph. We're not married yet. How is this going to happen? In other words, it's totally impossible. There is no way that this could have happened. There is no possible way that this could happen. It is absolutely, positively impossible. And that's what she says. And she's not saying it out of rebellion, out of doubt. It's a simple question of how is this going to happen? It's impossible. I'm a virgin. I don't give birth to babies when I've never been with someone. It's not possible. And there will be a time, I'm pretty sure, as all followers of Jesus have to go through, that God is going to interrupt you with an invitation to do something different. His purposes are going to be different than your plans. He's going to ask you to have faith and believe in him. And so the angel gives her an answer in what verse 35. He says, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, this isn't a job that can be done through human hands. This isn't a job that you can just work harder bit by bit, step by step, and accomplish. No, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, Mary, and make the impossible possible. And so when God invites you into something that's inconvenient, that's a change in your life, and when you look at the plan that God has and you say, that is absolutely impossible, that is never going to happen, how in the world, oh God, will you make that happen? He sends someone out of this world, the Holy Spirit, to fill you to provide for you, to do only what God can do because the plans that God gives to you, the thoughts that God gives to you, they're higher than our plans. They are higher than the ways of men. They are higher than the ways of women. And so he sends someone that is higher than the ways of our ways. He sends the power of the Holy Spirit to do the impossible. So if you thought you could get out of it by being like, well, I'm a mere mortal, God. I can't do it. I'm human. Watch out. God sends his Holy Spirit to help. Nothing is impossible with God. When we say, I see that there is no way, when I say this could never happen, God kind of just smiles and goes, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Believe it or not, 
I asked you the question, can you change your spouse? Probably not. God could change your spouse. Can you heal a loved one? Probably not, but God could. Could you save your unsaved friend or family members? Of course not. Where does salvation come from? It comes from God alone. God can. What is God calling you to today? It might be as simple as changing your diet. Some of us might find that inconvenient, Gary. Some of us, he may be calling us to mend a broken relationship, to offer forgiveness, but how? How, God, do I do that? Some of us, he may be asking us, I mentioned it during our offering talk, he may be asking us to give a little bit more. Maybe it's going to be as big as head overseas. I don't really know because God doesn't speak to me about you, at least not in these kinds of ways. Very rarely does God ever do that actually through me. God speaks to you. And if you don't put yourself in a position to hear from him, how do you really know what God wants for you from your life? And so my encouragement is this week, as we explore the peace of God, it's amazing the fact that in the greatest interruptions of our lives, we could be so full of fear of what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and on the flip side of it, be so full of peace knowing we're walking in obedience with God. Because whose responsibility is the outcome? God's. Outcome is God's responsibility. What's our job? Obedience. So take some time today. Take some time this week. I'm going to send out an email this afternoon. It's going to give you uh, some suggested questions to answer, some verses to read each day of this week. You can read it or you can ignore it. It's just here to help you. But I, I, as your pastor, I desire that you would know the plans that God has for your life. I desire that you would know what God wants for you. And to take it to the next level, I would really love to hear what God says to you about our church and our community. Because God doesn't just speak to me. He doesn't just speak to Pastor Katie about it. He speaks to his people. What is God calling you to do? Is he calling you to start something? Is he calling you to stop something? I don't know. So let me pray for you today. Let me pray that you would be in a position to hear from God. Notice at the end of this segment in verse 38, we see Mary's response. God invites her, this angel invites her to do this incredible, inconvenient invitation. And what is her response? In this moment of craziness, in this whirlwind, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. I told you that Mary had an incredible response coming. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And then the angel left. You know, all of a sudden, all the questions that she has, what am I going to do about Joseph? What am I going to do about my parents? What are people going to think of me? None of that matters. None of that matters because she is the Lord's servant. You know, the next time God asks me to do something crazy, I'm already weird, so I'm a step ahead of the game. But I don't care. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people are going to think. 
because I want to be the Lord's servant. I've surrendered my life to him. My life is not my own. It belongs to him. And so if he says, Gary, I need you to do something completely crazy, if he says to our church, I want you guys to do something completely crazy and different, maybe it doesn't even make sense, but we're all heard from God and we're all unified, and he says, go for it. He says, look, I want you to go proclaim the gospel in a new way. Pastor Katie told us that we're supposed to go proclaim the good news of Jesus. What if he tells us to do something crazy? Oh, no, that's, that's too big of a risk. That's impossible. How are we going to do that? My prayer is that we'd be willing and ready to hear from the Lord to take that step of faith, to do whatever it takes to introduce people to the love of Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep talking if I don't stop now. But hear my heart that God, there, there, is, there are hundreds of people out there that are living in despair and in darkness. You know, Jesus came at just the right time in history. The world was dark, it was broken, it was a scary place. And Jesus, the light of heaven, stepped into that darkness. And before he left, he said to his disciples, his followers, he says to us today, you are the light of the world, a city on the hill that cannot be hidden. What do I have to do, O God, to be that light? What fears do I have to overcome to be that light? So that the darkness that's all around me, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe the moment you go home, it just feels dark and heavy. God, give me the strength, give me the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the darkness before me. Help me, O oh God, to do whatever it is I have to do. Amen. <laughs> Be blessed today. Have a good, wonderful, amazing week. If God speaks to you, I'm going to ask you to tell me what he said. So write it down. Because God's doing something amazing. God bless.